from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Hamed Javahari on October 12, 2019. Hamed was born and raised in Zambia and has lived there for most of his life with the exception of a brief period in Montreal when he went to university. Hamed still lives in Zambia with his wife and three children. Hamed has published his first novel, With Oars and Compass, A Purposeful Journey into Life, Love, and Happiness. The story centers around the protagonist, Jane, a young and multicultural woman living in a big city who is determined to conquer the world. Recent events left her disenchanted and uncertain about the direction her life has taken and disillusioned by what she sees around her. We discuss further the story of Jane and the process Hamed went through to create the novel. I started the interview by asking Hamed where he grew up. And what was spiritual life like growing up? So I grew up in Zambia. I was born and raised in Zambia, which is a country in southern Africa. With the exception of six years that I studied in Montreal for university, I've lived here all my life. In terms of spiritual upbringing or religious life, Zambia, most of the people around me growing up were Christians. Um, but I did go to an international school, so I had a exposure to a wide range of ethnic and religious backgrounds. Me and my brothers all went to the same school. As we were growing older, as we got older in school, we realized that religion, you know, in a sense was forming part of the identity of the people around us. And around my 15th birthday, I remember quizzing myself and my parents where we were in a discussion about religion. And I said I wanted to become a Baha'i, which is the religion that my family is from. And I thought my parents would be thrilled that I wanted to be in the same faith. But to my surprise, my dad actually asked me, he said, well, why do you want to be behind? And that was a good question because I didn't really have an answer. So I started to explore the other faiths around me. Um, and I asked myself the question, or maybe the opposite question, why aren't I a Christian? Why, am, why aren't I a Muslim? As I studied these other faiths, it brought me to a conclusion that they all come from the same source, that they all pointed to the same God, and that they also all spoke about the coming of messengers of God in sequence. So I realized, in a, in a way, it brought me back to the question of why do I want to be a Baha'i? And it was because I recognized that Baha'u'llah is the next messenger of God uh, in a sequence of divine messengers. So you grew up as a Baha'i then? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I grew up in a Baha'i home, but I grew up in a multi-religious, multi-racial environment. But I was exposed to Baha'u'llah's teachings. I was exposed to the Baha'i faith uh, through my family. Do you know how your parents became Baha'is? Um, my parents are from Iran. They, they were born and raised in Iran. And they were also born in, in Baha'i homes. My mom comes from a Zoroastrian background, so that's interesting, I guess. And her parents became Baha'is on their own. And my father comes from his mom comes from a long lineage of Baha'is, 
but his father was a Muslim, was a Muslim and became a Baha'i himself. So in our family, we have Islamic background, a Zoroastrian background, and my wife is Canadian, so her parents were Christians. So our kids have quite a, a range of backgrounds, you could say. So your parents left Iran. Can you tell us the situation that, that they chose well, to leave Iran? Actually, my parents, they got married in 1969, and my brother was born in 1971. So it was pre-revolution, but my parents were, you know, they had uh, grown up in a Baha'i home that had the mentality that the earth is one country and that they wanted to explore uh, the world for what it is, and they decided on their own accord that they want to go to Africa. <laughs> so my dad, uh, my father was an agronomist, so he took a job in the Gambia, and they moved to the Gambia in 1971. And uh, a year later, that didn't work out, and they moved to Zambia. They swapped the G for the Z, and they came to Zambia. And they got here about a year before I was born, so late 72, and I was born in 73. Did you meet your wife at university in Canada? <laughs> no, actually, a lot of people ask us that question, but no, I actually met her in Zimbabwe. Her parents moved to Africa in the 80s and returned back to Canada to study and then came back in the 90s, and they were in Zimbabwe. And we went to visit Zimbabwe and visit friends, and the two families met there. And I mean, we were just kids at the time. Then their parents moved to Zambia in the 90s to teach at Banani International School, uh, which is a Baha'i-inspired school here for girls. That's how we got to know each other. So we're, I did study in Canada. Everybody assumes that that's where we met. But actually, she's from the West Coast, and I was studying in Montreal. So, And her parents were Baha'i as well then? They became Baha'is, yes. Her mom became a Baha'i when she was 16, and her father became a Baha'i in his 20s. I see. So I'm speaking with Hamed Javahari, author of the novel With Oars and Compass, A Purposeful Journey into Life, Love, and Happiness. So let's get into your novel, Hamed. Why don't you tell us the story of the book? The story is basically following the life of a young lady by the name of Jane Louis Flynn. She's a multicultural background. She's part Zambian, part Irish. You know, she has a typical uh, young adult's life. She lives in a big city and, you know, with aspirations of conquering the world. But then a series of experiences that she has leave her questioning the purpose of life. So there are really four aspects you could say to the book. The first is this quest for the meaning of life, for the purpose of life. And a whirlwind of questions that follow have her stumbling onto an article that she reads. And she reads this article that explores life's purpose from a different angle that inspires her. She, she texts a group of friends and they come together and they begin to explore a set of principles that begin to shape her thinking and change her perception of life, you could say, and what, what she understands life's purpose to be. Another aspect of it is how this search influences her relationships with her friends, her family, her workmates, and even takes a little angle on how she begins to fall in love and what she thinks about. Um, another aspect of the book is that she keeps having this recurring dream of her grandfather, and her grandfather is uh, asking her to find his friend. And I mean, he's passed on a long time ago, and she's 
wondering who this friend might be. And while she's frustrated by it, she's also quite determined to get to the bottom of it. So that's another thing that weaves itself through through the story. Perhaps the most subtle aspect of it is to do with the transformation that's taking place in her life and in the life of the characters around her and the group of friends. And this idea that you can have a group of friends that are able to explore deeper concepts together, that they can have meaningful conversations and explore the meaning of life and what fulfills them and so on. You know, they say the idea of a story is to to show and not tell. And so that was the idea of putting such a concept into a novel. And I, you know, I would hope that a reader would walk away with a sense that life isn't just an unpredictable path, that it's not a set of random experiences that end up defining who we are. Instead, life should be really a conscious journey, a journey in which we explore reality, that we understand who we are and who we're meant to be. You know, it's like a path along which uh, principles come into focus and that these principles can shape our thoughts and actions and direct us to a vision of what life should be and what it can be. So it's really a book about purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm speaking with Hamed Javahiri, author of the novel With Oars and Compass, A Purposeful Journey into Life, Love, and Happiness. Hamed just summarized what the story was. So Hamed, where did you get the title With Oars and Compass? In the book, there's this story that one of the characters shares about traveling on a boat with a group of friends and that you don't know where you are, but if you have a compass and if you have a set of oars, then you're able to pilot yourself in the direction that you want. It's an analogy of life. If you do have this sense of purpose and if you do have a vision of what you want and if you have a set of principles to guide you, these are your oars and compass. With these tools, you're able to direct your life and achieve the purpose of your, of your life. Um, actually, there's, there's a couple of quotations that inspired the title of the book, and I can read them for you. So the first quotation is from Shoghi Effendi, the great-grandson of Baha'u'llah, the author of the Baha'i Faith. And he says, Life is a constant struggle, not only against forces around us, but above all against our own ego. We can never afford to rest on our own oars. For if we do, we soon see ourselves carried downstream again. So the second quote is from the Universal House of Justice. That's the central governing body of the Baha'i Faith, the elected supreme body of the Baha'i Faith. Universal House of Justice says, referring to the writings of Baha'u'llah, his teachings serve as a compass to help us find our way in the new world. They outline not only what is good for mankind, but also the steps to be taken to secure individual freedom and well-being. So from these two passages, I pick this idea of if we have a compass and if we have oars, we can journey through life. <laughs> so I'm speaking with Hamed Javahiri, author of the novel, with oars and compass, a purposeful journey into life, love, and happiness. So, Hamed, what inspired you to write this book? In terms of inspiration, I would say, you know, we, we all live in a world where our sense of purpose seems increasingly lost to us. We are preoccupied with so many things, our studies, our jobs, you know, social circles. 
media is constantly bombarding us with advertising. There's social media that keeps us so preoccupied. And these social forces, they tend to define us. They leave us feeling frustrated, maybe disenchanted with life. I guess in one way or another, we can all relate to that. But life doesn't have to be that way. We can paint a different picture of the world. We can see life through a different lens. And that lens is the sense of purpose that motivates us from day to day. There are so many things that define that sense of purpose. And we have so many responsibilities. We have so many interests. All of these things can define to us what we think the purpose of our life is. But in the book, the idea is it explores this concept of essential purpose. What is the overarching reason for the existence, for our existence? And what is it that can give us this long-term vision of what we really want from life? And for me, the inspiration comes from the Baha'i writings. While it's not a religious book, the idea is that these friends explore concepts and that for the concepts that are explored in the book are inspired from the Baha'i writings and from the continuous flow of guidance that Baha'is receive from the Universal House of Justice. And they provide us with this essential purpose of what life can really be, you know, that we are a twofold moral creature. We, we have two responsibilities. One is to develop ourselves and to begin to uh, develop qualities that are noble within us. And the other is to reflect those qualities in the life of our community and to transform the society that we live in. And it's that concept that drives the book. You might be wondering what some of these principles are. And, you know, they're fundamental principles, principles such as justice or knowledge. What is knowledge? The concept of oneness, that all human beings are really one people, that science has a place in life and so does religion. And science and religion are two forms of knowledge that balance our lives. They're two sets of truths that we use to guide our life. When you discuss all this, it can sound really complicated. It can sound uh, intellectual. And perhaps it doesn't address the emotional side of us that responds to these ideas. So I was consulting a few friends on how to express these thoughts. And that's where the idea of a novel came from, that maybe in the form of storytelling, we would be able to present these ideas in a way that reflects our own lives, in a way that reflects a relatable experience. And so it turned out into a story. So, Hamid, the novel then is really, and correct me if I'm wrong then, a showing of the transformation of the protagonist's lens from one viewpoint through this lens to a, to another viewpoint of life? Or even the, the fact that she realizes she doesn't have a viewpoint. She's just kind of meandering through life. Mm. But then by beginning to ask the question, and recognizing what, what intrigues her the most is this idea that she has an essential purpose. Because, you know, we like I'm a father of three. One of my purposes in life is to raise my children, to put them through school, etc. But that's not the essential purpose. That's not the purpose that overarches everything. That's not the purpose that guides the decisions that I make in my life or that we make in, in our lives as a family. And it's this idea that really intrigues her. That, uh, And she explores it in the uh, article that she reads. She finds an article which presents this idea to her, and it takes her through, you know, it takes the example of certain things. It looks at, for example, it looks at a mug. 
and says, what is the purpose of a mug? It could be used for many things. It could, you could put pens in it. You could turn it upside down and put a pot of potted plant on it. <laughs> but the idea is that it had, in its creation, it had an essential purpose. And that was to hold a beverage, to hold a hot beverage. And it's that idea that we as human beings can fulfill so many roles. We can fulfill so many things in our life. We can actually achieve quite a lot. But do we know what the essential purpose of our life is? Do we assess what life's achievements are on that basis? And perhaps if we did, we would weigh things differently in our life. So that's what really intrigues her. So I'm speaking with Hamed Javahari, author of the novel With Oars and Compass, A Purposeful Journey into Life, Love, and Happiness. And I had just asked Hamed to explain what inspired him to write the book. Hamed, is this your first foray into writing of this type? <laughs> yes, it is. You would be perhaps surprised to know that actually I'm, uh, by training, I'm a civil engineer. So I... Uh, in terms of writing, I, I don't actually have a background in writing. Yeah, it's the first time I've tried to express my thoughts, particularly in the form of a story. So I am new at this, but it was a, it was a really interesting journey and it was a, a exciting learning experience for me. So, <laughs> uh, so Hamed, would you like to read an excerpt from the story? Sure, okay. Maybe I'll just set it up for you. Please. Um, so this is towards the beginning of the book. A set of events have led Jane, the protagonist, to post her frustration on social media. And when she does that, she invites um, anyone who's reading it, or any of her friends, to come to a cafe and just to commiserate about life and how life, t how tough life is. Um, and of course, a few friends show up. Some are from high school. Uh, one is from her university and a, and, and a workmate. While she's really nervous about it and she's unsure of how things will unfold, they end up having a really interesting conversation that promises to lead into further gatherings or further opportunities for them to get together. So this is uh, an excerpt of the morning after she wakes up from the first gathering that they've had. Uh, it reads, Jane rolled out of bed after a good night's sleep, having slept in a little extra to catch up from the long week. A hot shower beckoned as she made her way into the bathroom. Revitalized from its heat, she wrapped herself in her towel and wiped the mirror clean, taking a close look at herself. Her reflection seemed to look back at her, equally curious in its scrutiny. What's with the bags on the eyes, it seemed to whisper. You're getting old so fast, and you need a haircut. Just then a smile broke across her face as memories of the previous night came flooding in. Combing her gold brown curls which fell just past her shoulders. She reminisced over the anxiety she had felt when anticipating the night, and yet how special it had turned out to be. She thought of Javier's kindness and all the things they had talked about as they walked to the station. She marveled at the air of calm maturity that had developed in him. She delighted in having caught up with Harry, in seeing Rose and in spending quality time with Penny. Her heart dropped at the thought of Adam. That vibrant kid in high school seemed to have such a heavy cloud hanging over him now. She could only imagine his sense of frustration at the world. Jane cheered herself up as the sincere conversations of the evening played over in her head. How logical the train of thought now appeared. She was excited at the prospect of meeting up next month and discussing the first of the principles they had identified. Four weeks was far away, though. She'd have to pace herself. 
She looked at herself in the mirror again, the steam obscuring her reflection. As she wiped it a second time, she thought of the ideas they had talked about. Javier had compared purpose to a lens through which one gained clarity of vision. The better one understood his or her purpose, the more lucid their vision would be. Jane was realizing that these thoughts had implications on her perception of life, her career, her interests, who she'd fall in love with. As she got dressed, she continued thinking. She felt like she was on a path and she was determined to figure out which way to turn. She chuckled at the thought, remembering a scene from her favorite childhood story, Alice in Wonderland. Alice was walking along a track and stumbled onto the Cheshire cat in the bough of a tree. She asked it which way to go and the cat answered, that depends a good deal on where you want to go. I don't much care where, was Alice's response, to which the cat's advice was, then it doesn't matter which way you walk. Jane had never stopped to give it much thought, but it made so much sense now. If you don't care where you're going, you don't really have to think about your actions. But now that she knew, or at least had some sense of where she was headed, she couldn't just act unconsciously or impulsively. She would have to make her actions more decisive. Yes, this is how she was going to bind purpose and vision together. She was going to make a conscious effort to think clearly and act purposefully. So I'm speaking with Hamed Javahari, author of the novel With Oars and Compass, A Purposeful Journey into Life, Love, and Happiness. And he just read an excerpt from the novel. So Hamed, where can people find your book? That's an interesting question because when I was writing the book, one question I hadn't thought about was publishing. <laughs> and the idea is living in living in Africa. I wanted to have this book as available or as, as uh, accessible as possible to as wide a range of people as possible. And at the same time, I wanted it to be as affordable as possible. So what I ended up doing was it was published independently through Amazon. And it's available on Amazon in in uh, Kindle format as well as hard copy. Do you have any plans to continue this work in this kind of literature? That's a, <laughs> a good question. I've been asked that a few times. But to be honest, you know, I have three kids, uh, and they range from twelve to eighteen, and so it's quite interesting to engage them and to hear their opinions and. I toy with the idea of perhaps writing a different book. If I did, it would probably be addressing slightly younger generation. And as I said, this book incorporated or dealt directly with the question of religion. And it, it addressed religion from different angles, and it also incorporated spiritual principles in a very direct way. So one other thought that would intrigue me to try is to capture those concepts in a more subtle way. So if I did work on another project, perhaps I would look at it from that angle. And how long, Hamad, did it take you from starting the writing to publishing the book? <laughs> Again, that's a good question. So the way I described this search for the question of purpose actually started when I was in my 20s. I would say for about 10 years, I gathered information and I put down my thoughts, but they were coming out in a, a very intellectual way, in a very serious way, in a almost like a document. And so, you know, I parked that for a while and it was in consultation about those ideas with friends that this idea of a novel was born. And once I started to write a story, that process took me a year. So from start to finish was a year. 
Well, Hamid, I want to thank you so much for sharing your novel with us, With Oars and Compass, A Purposeful Journey into Life, Love, and Happiness. I encourage listeners to pick up the book and to read this novel. Thank you so much, Hamed. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Hamed Javahari, author of Oars and Compass, A Purposeful Journey into Life, Love, and Happiness. You can hear this interview and other interviews on the website abahaiperspective.com, as well as on the YouTube channel, A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i Faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. Find me standing 
said, love me that I may love thee. Love me that I may love thee. If thou lovest me not, my love can in no wise reach thee. If thou lovest me not, my love can in no wise reach thee. He said, love me that I may love thee. Love me that I may love thee. If thou lovest me not, my love can in no wise reach thee. If thou lovest me not, my love can in no wise reach thee.
When you're sitting in the dark Looking at the stars I feel your love surrounding me So I'll send a little sign To show you I'm fine Many things are real that we can't see Will you miss me? I'm not that far You can't touch me But you feel my heart This bird has burst its cage asunder Eyes wide and filled with wonder Think of me and feel a little breeze That's me That's me That's me That's me I know some might say I was taken away And ask how this can be just unfair But these mysteries abound Well I'm not lost but found And my hope is that you won't despair Well you miss me I'm not that far You can't touch me But you feel my heart an eagle flies overhead, that song I sing gets in your head You get inspired and ask, how can this be? That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me And when that day comes, when you're born to this world eternal You will find me in an ocean of light from the highest peaks we'll gaze on what no pen can describe So that's it from here now you know I'm near, as well I'm in great company So from time to time, I'll drop you a line Soon begins our sweet eternity Will you miss me? I'm not that far You can't touch me, but you feel my heart this bird has burst its cage asunder Eyes wide and filled with wonder Think of me and feel a little breeze Oh, think of me, feel a little breeze That's me, that's me That's me, that's me That's me, that's me That's me
To update a program, I always click on try again tomorrow, cause that's not what I need. The garden wants a weeding, the summer's almost over. I haven't got around to planting the seeds. What have I been waiting for all this time? What am I complaining for? The fault's on mine. I could cross that bridge if someone else would pay the toll But won't somebody send an update to my soul? My phone in wants to update the system But I don't really trust it It usually ends up slower than before The politicians never stop campaigning one day we're gonna bust them We're capable of so much more What have I been waiting for all this time? What am I complaining for? The fault's on mine I'm sitting here just waiting for my youth to come again I'll stop procrastinating but don't ask me when 
I could cross that bridge if someone else would pay the toll But won't somebody send an update to my soul I wanna feel you love me more than ever I know I don't deserve it I'm not the man I was back then Skinnier and brighter and more hopeful Is that the way you want me? I'm not sure if I can be that again What have I been waiting for all this time? What am I complaining for the faults on mine? Sitting here just waiting for my youth to come again I'll stop procrastinating, don't ask me when I could cross that bridge if someone else would pay the toll But won't somebody send an update to my soul? Should you ever lose your sense of wonder Walk out to the ocean And sing out to the stars on high And all the generations gone before you Will hear you from the heavens But help you if you'd only try What have we been waiting for all these hours? What are we complaining for the remedies ours? Waiting for our youth to come again We'll stop procrastinating We can choose just when We can cross that bridge And only we can pay the toll Yes, only I can make an update to my soul Only I can make an update to my soul Pray with us together, come and pray with us together. 
I wear purple underwear cause I think it's cool. I eat vegetables for breakfast and walk backwards to school. I love to be original, some say I'm a fool. But unconventionality's my number one rule. For I am one of a kind, I am one of a kind. And though some people tease me, I just pay them no mind. My savoir-faire will save me when I get in a bind. Philosophy referred to his chair. He said, You must write a composition proving it's there. A clever girl beside me wrote with gumption and flair. Her essay had two words, and all it said was, What share? Oh, she is one of a kind. She is one of a kind. She has a way with any classwork. She is a sign. At the rate she's going, she might leave the teacher behind.
of light be a lamp Become, of light be strong be a lamp be of light and be a lamp full of light full of light be a lamp of light be strong be a lamp of light and be a lamp full of light full of light be a lamp of light be strong
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.